This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about how we might be different often shows us how much we really have in common. I'm Condice Presley. My guest today is first and foremost, a parent. She is also an author. And she has a message not only for her family, but for all of us. She is Centilia Abrams, and her book is Small and Mighty, The Next Generation of Leaders. And Ms. Abrams, so happy to have you with us on Perspectives today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited and grateful to be here. When I called you, I said I'd received your book from a mutual friend, gosh, several probably months ago, and it had just been sitting in the stack of things that I needed to get to and review. And as soon as I picked it up and read it, I thought, what a great opportunity to share this story and your story with our audience as our kids are getting ready to go back to school. So first off, just tell us, what is your story? Tell us a little bit about you. So I am a mom of four. I am native to Decatur, Georgia. So I'm from the Atlanta area. And I was born and raised here. I attended college at Hampton University and moved back home and married and had four kids. Fast forward to nine or so years later, uh, last summer, my kids began to have a lot of questions about what was happening in the world, particularly as it relates to activism and social justice. We were having conversations and had been having conversations in our home um, about what it means to be a child in this country, to be a black child in this country and all the beauty that comes with that. But they also wanted to understand what was happening as it related to George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. And it really began with a question with my son asking, what can I do? What is going on? And so we began to just dive into deeper conversations about what was happening in the world around them because they are experiencing life with us. They're paying attention to us and they are hearing what's on the radio and what, seeing what's on the TV. And so I wanted to expose them and give them a front row seat and experience and using their voice uh, to be activists, to be socially conscious, and to be aware of the world around them. These four children of yours, how old are they? So my oldest two, they're nine and seven at the time. My son was eight and my daughter was six. And then I also had two-year-old twins who are now three. Rest much? I'm pretty sure you know the answer to that. They keep us busy. I noticed in the story, your son's name is King. Tell me about naming your, your son. Well, we always wanted to give him a name with purpose and meaning. And what better name than King? And so he was our, he is our first. Uh, he actually has a birthday coming up on Monday. So this will be perfect for him. Um, and so we were going through names and it came down to two. Uh, option number one was um, King. Option number two was, um, you may be familiar with this, a movie called Rocky Four. My dad happens to love that movie and it was a movie that we grew up watching together. And I kind of wanted to dedicate this this love that we have for this movie to my son. And I thought about naming him Rocco. Well, um, my husband said, no, let's just go with King. So we wanted to give him a name with meaning, um, a name with purpose and strength and really set the tone for his life. 
And your oldest daughter, her first name is Harley. I'm sure there's a story there. <laughs> well, I always just love that name. Um, and it's and it means to be rooted and grounded. Uh, and Harley came out the kind into the world excited and had this strong force. I actually gave birth to her in the car on the way to the hospital. And so um, one of my family members said, well, you should name her Carly, born in the car, but we went with Harley. And so together you have my son who is such a great leader and my daughter who is also a leader. And they're both very grounded, very focused, very determined kids. And so together they're just this power force, this, this dynamic team of, of small and mighty leaders. How do you as a mother of four go from being uh, a parent who wants to teach her children about being aware and civically involved. And how does that go from taking them to a protest to together writing a children's book about that experience? My kids have always been a part of not just our life in, in the home, but also outside of the home. So they've seen me um, participate in the community, whether that's through being a cheerleading coach or a dance coach or uh, teaching free fitness classes. They've seen this advocacy for our community their entire life. So this is just an extension of that. We've always been very free to speak with them about the world they live in because we want them to be conscious kids. We want them to live life with vibrancy and love and joy and adventure. But we also want to equip them with information so that as they grow, they can also be kind and empathetic and stand up for what they believe, even if it's just within the classroom themselves. And so we started our journey going to different protests in Atlanta. It was their first time going. And before we went, my daughter, of course, was uh, watching WSB TV. And I said, I'm going to take you to a protest. And she said to me, she looked at me because she was seeing uh, the adults protesting and she said wait a minute aren't I too small to protest and I said oh you may be small girl but you are so mighty you have a voice and your presence alone will shift things in this world and so I did not want them to walk through life afraid to use their voice I want them to be kids who love the world and love themselves and love others and so what better way to do that than to bring them along and so we went to several protests over the summer and their experience was just so wonderful. All of the adults there from the various organizers were so kind and so excited to see kids there. And their minds were just exposed to so many things. They saw like-minded people, they saw other kids. They and we actually passed out water to other protesters. So we were able to give back to those people outside as well. And so it just really awakened their senses and their spirit to activism. And so the result has been that they are more empathetic and more aware of what's going on. And even my son's social studies teacher last year, she just talked about how on fire he would be during class as he talked about civics. Was that your goal for those two? Absolutely. We want them to be conscious. We want them to be empathetic. We want them to be empowered with information because as they are empowered, 
they begin to move and think and feel differently. And they begin to have conversations, not just with kids, but other adults about things that's going on in this world. And it just makes them more conscious. So as they move through life, they move through life with empathy, with understanding, with, with wanting to leave the world in a better place in which they were born into it. And it just makes them well-rounded. Is that sense of purpose something that was instilled in both you and your husband from your parents? Yes. Um, so I am, um, like I said, I'm born and raised in Decatur, Georgia. And my mom and my dad were very conscious about the environments that we grew up in. We grew up um, in a community of great educators and teachers and volunteers. And I just have this deep love for um, Decatur and for the area that I lived in. I grew up going to Columbia Elementary and Southwest Camp High School and Chapel Hill Middle School. So it was just this wonderful community of people who poured into us, who loved us, who gave their time, um, not just going to work, but actually invested in the kids in the area. And someone who moved back to the area, I felt this huge responsibility to do the same. And not just for my kids, but for people that we come in contact with. What experience did you bring into the project of writing the book, Small and Mighty? Have you written books before or knew that was something that you always wanted to do? Always wanted to do. I've always loved reading. You know, when you're a kid, you can get a book and escape into this world of literature. And I've written other books before, um, but never published them. And so um, I remember going to various protests last summer. And it was as if God was saying, you've got you've to use what you've experienced and put it into something that will be here after you leave this earth. And, and, and so it became very clear that that was supposed to be a book. And I tussled with it because I'm like, wait a minute, I've got four kids. Life is already busy. How am I going to write and publish the book? And after many sleepless nights of not being able to sleep because this story was just on my heart and I needed to get it out, I began to write and it did not take long to write the story because it was already written. We had already experienced it. And so I was able to get in contact with an amazing illustrator by the name of Tracy McCutcheon who understood the importance of the story, who understood the spirit of advocacy and activism that I wanted to bring to the story. And she was able to really help bring energy and life to the words through beautiful illustrations. And so the process began in June of last year and we were published um, in November. The illustrations are quite remarkable and do reflect the experience that you and your children had participating in these protests last year. Not only do you tell the story in a way that is easy for a child to read or to be read to by a parent, but there are also terms and phrases that we incorporate into our kids' vocabulary, things that they may not necessarily know about. Tell us about your process of making that happen and why that was important. It was important because uh, various terms in the book, uh, a six to 10 year old may not be familiar with. They may hear reform, but they may not know what that means. They may hear judicial system. They may not know what that means. They may even hear protest or advocacy or decades of generation, and they may not know what that means, but it doesn't mean they shouldn't. So my goal was to explain those terms. So throughout the book, there are different uh, words that are bolded. 
And those words and phrases are explained throughout the story. So that way, as you're reading, you're able to have a conversation um, with your student or your child or your niece or nephew and explain what those terms mean. Um, it's not enough just to read, but we want to grow. We want to develop our vocabulary. And so one of the things that I always say to my kids when they say, mom, what does that mean? I say, let's go look it up. Let's stop and look it up. So that way you can begin to really understand um, some of the language that you may or may not be using and have a deeper understanding of literature and just learning because this book is also about learning. If you've never been to a protest, if you've never experienced activism on that level, it's a great way to introduce kids to that. Um, and it may not be uh, protesting in the streets. It may be advocating in your classroom or on your little league team or saying, you know what? we should be having water instead of juice. It's the way to keep kids engaged and how they can really impact change within their world. You mentioned earlier talking to your daughter about her being small, but being mighty, which became the title of the book. Is that its origin, or did you always know that by planting this seed in the children, they would know that they were small, mighty, but filled with purpose? So when I was writing the book, um, I did not start with the title. Um, after the story was finished and um, the, the back cover actually has uh, pictures of the book, um, uh, well, pictures from protest. And I was going through our pictures and um, I said, hmm, you know, this would make a great title. And so that's how we chose Small Mighty um, because of the sign that she was carrying. So actually after I made the comment that, oh, you were small, but you're so mighty, uh, we painted a protest sign. And so that's what she carried throughout Atlanta. And um, it just turned into the title of the book, which was so fitting. And again, yes, our kids, they are young, but they're so inquisitive. They want to know because if I would have gone to those protests without them, first of all, they would have said, can I come? And I want them to experience things with me. And I was so excited to bring them with me because they just had such a wonderful experience. And so Small and Mighty is really about kids who may be young, but they do have a voice and they don't have to go out and change the entire world. But you can begin to do that with how you treat your friends, how you treat strangers, how you treat your teachers, how you treat your family members. And you begin to have this and create this world of advocacy within your own world at home and within school and within your own community. One very important part of the story that your family shared with your children and that you now share with your readers is the importance of acknowledging and knowing the ancestors. And there's even a portion of the book where you, you call the names, you call yes. the world. Considering yes. the debate in our community now about history and how it is taught to our students, why was that so important to you? It was so important um, for various reasons. One, we would not be here without the work that they have done. We have amazing change makers today in our communities, but we stand on the shoulders of those who have come before us, who have laid the foundation who have sparked and planted that seed within us. And so I wanted to bring attention to not just them, but also it was very a conscious, it was a conscious decision to include the equal number of women as well as men, because oftentimes as it relates to advocacy and civil rights, you hear about the men of the movement who did a phenomenal job, but there were also amazing women as well. And so I wanted to call their names and pay homage to them 
And being that we're from the Atlanta area, I mean, this is civil rights history here. So we had to pay homage to individuals like Hosea Williams and Ralph David Abernathy and John Carlos. We wanted to make sure that they feel seen and heard even today. Fannie Lou Hamer and, and Barbara Jordan. Um, there's just so many names. We wanted to make sure that we honored them and that they know that they are still, their work is felt and experienced today. It also creates a homework assignment for children yes. who because if there are names that you don't know, that's right. Somebody you need to look up. And I'm going to say, I have a copy of my book here. And that is the, the message at the very beginning. There may be names or words that you may not understand or recognize, research them and then share those findings with others. And that was critical because again, the goal with reading and books is not to give it all away. We want there to be some questions. We want you to say, wait, who is that? What did they do? What is that word? And when you begin to ask those questions, especially as a journalist, you begin to find information out that you didn't know and you become empowered. And now you realize, you know what? This story may be similar to mine. Or oh, I didn't know this. I didn't, I didn't know about Amelia Boydton Robinson. Who is she? I've never heard that name before. Who is Septima Clark? We want to spark interest in our kids and keep their minds inquisitive and growing. And you want to prepare them for what they are going to have an opportunity to do once they get older, because you state very importantly in the book, walking back to the car after the day of protest, letting your kids know that this is important for them to know, but it's the adults who are going to make the change and you're getting them ready. Correct. One of the, um, you know, as a writer, your, your job and definitely me as a parent, I, I critique the book. I wanted to ask questions, did this feel as though kids were taking on changing the world? And that is not the message. We want them to be kids. We want them to go to the playground and go skating and chase the ice cream truck and go and play and slip and slide. It is not your responsibility at seven or eight years old to feel the weight of the world on your shoulders. We can talk to you about the world. So that way, as you grow, you, begin, you can become voters and you begin to make decisions about how you spend your money and where you live and who you vote for and what you do with your life. All of that is shaping them at age six. And so we don't want to start at 16, but we want to have those conversations and allow them to be kids, but also make them aware of what's going on around them and let them know that as an adult, I am your mother. This is your father. We are advocating for you. We are working to make this world better for you, for your cousins, for your friends, for all of your family members. This is the, this is the purpose of me being a mother. And I want you to be aware of that, but I also want you to understand that one day you will be your own person. Well, you are now, but you will be your own adult and you will be responsible for making decisions and you will be responsible for uh, your citizenship. And I want you to be prepped and prepared for those decisions. Have you been able to get Small and Mighty into the libraries of our various school systems in Metro Atlanta? How have you been able to get it out there? 
Well, that is a project that I'm working on just right now. It was just accepted into the Cab County Public Libraries, which I'm so excited about because I grew up visiting those branches like the Decatur branch and the West Chapel branch and the Redan branch and the Stonecrest branch. So the book will be in the Cab County Public Libraries. I am currently waiting to hear back um, from different school systems in the Atlanta area, Decatur area. So keep your fingers crossed. I'm crossing my fingers for Clayton County Public Schools, Atlanta Public Schools, Fulton County. I'm calling their names. <laughs> the Cab County Public Schools. So that is our goal is to get the school, the book in public schools in the metro area and also just across the country. Uh, I am excited that the book is sold in black owned bookstores in the Atlanta area. Um, the Listening Tree, which is located in Decatur, Georgia, which is a beautiful, quaint uh, family owned bookstore. Uh, book Boutique, which is located in Atlantic Station. We're excited about that. And um, it's also available on my website, which is sinabrams.com. It's a delightful, delightful book. Uh, our guest has been Centilia Abrams, Decatur, Georgia native, in case you didn't pick yes. up on that. Hampton <laughs> University graduate, uh, yes. student of an HBCU, inspired to write small and mighty, the next generation of leaders because of a conversation with her kids during this pandemic, during the protests in the aftermath of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. Uh, again, available in books, available on your website, as yes. well as in the, the library system in your community. Uh, what is it that you want readers, moms, dads, and the kids to take away from this story? Uh, my first message to them is that they're loved. That is the, this is a, a love note, a love letter to kids. And so when you open the book, you are greeted with such that number one, you are loved. Uh, your life more than matters. I, I saw a quote last summer that said, matter is the minimum. And so you were filled with purpose. You were divinely made and you were created with, with love and delight. And you were just that. And so as you move through life, know that you were created and walking in your purpose. That as you grow, your life should be filled with wonder and adventure and change, and that you have the capacity to shape the world around you and beyond through your words, through your service, through the work that you're doing. And sometimes I've found that advocacy and activism can feel as though it is extremely tough in terms of I don't have a huge social following. Um, I'm not a lawyer. How can I be an advocate? Well, you can be an advocate where you are in life, whether you're a teacher or whether you're a nurse or you're a journalist or you're a parent or you run track, you can influence change within the space that you are in. You don't have to be 18, 28 or 40. You can be it right now. You can be 75 and still at protests and still advocating and, and showing up on the Capitol steps. You can be six years old and advocating for a better school lunch program, or you can do that within the confines of your home. And so advocacy starts within the heart and it is expressed through your words and your deeds and your actions. Cintilia Abrams, thank you so much for your time. Once again, friends, the book is Small and Mighty, a pivotal reading experience that studies racial injustice and empowerment through the voice of a young king. I appreciate you and your time. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program produced 
with you in mind. If there's a guest or an issue you'd like to hear me explore, I'd hope you'd let me know. The easiest way to connect with me is on social media. Just slip me a DM or send me a message. Search Condus Presley on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And yeah, I know you're asking, how do you spell Condus? C-O-N-D-A-C-E. And Presley has two S's. That's P-R-E-S-S-L-E-Y. Friends, I appreciate your listening. Be sure to listen again next week at the same time as we explore new perspectives.